Welcome to the podcast for North Decatur Presbyterian Church. We are a Presbyterian USA congregation located in Decatur, Georgia. You can find out more information about the church, our service to the community, and our great education programs for children, youth, and adults at ndpc.org. And you can follow us on Facebook. If you're in the Atlanta area, we hope you'll come and join us in person. That's it. On to this week's scripture and sermon. I'm pleased to introduce to some of you uh, for the first time one of our new uh, ministry fellows. Uh, our preacher today is uh, Zena Regis. She's a, um, uh, just a wonderful human being um, and is a candidate for ordination in the PCUSA and will be uh, working with us for uh, at least for a couple of years. And so will you help me welcome Zena to the pulpit today? Let us pray. God of long winters and longer summers, come to us with loud praise and joy, or appear to us in a still small voice. Come to us through friends, or come to us through strangers. Come to us in this text and in this hour of worship, and come to us quickly, if you may. We are seeking you, we are always seeking you. With grateful hearts cracked open by love, we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading today is from the book of Job, chapter 2, verses 11 and 13. 11 through 13. Now when Job's friends heard of all these troubles that had come upon him, each of them set out from his home. Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuite, and Zophar, the Namathite. They met together to go and console and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him, and they raised their voices and wept aloud. They tore their robes and threw dust in the air upon their heads. They sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. This is the word of the Lord. At least 20 years ago, when I was a student at Agnes Scott College, and the entry said something like, Dear Aries, you will come to realize that true love is more shopping list than sonnet. I was aghast. My 20-something self could not imagine true love being anything other than drama and grand gestures at that time. I was dating a musician then who was all sonnets and songs. But in the years since, I've met my husband at the Baby Kroger, nonetheless, um, Rajan. That horoscope has come back to my mind many, many times. There is something so simple and profound about a shopping list. It's the noticing of what's missing, noticing what we need, and then making a plan to fill that gap. And then using those items to create something that didn't exist before. There's so much possibility when we look at a shopping list. Have you ever found a stranger's shopping list abandoned in a shopping cart? 
wondering what they might be doing with canned peaches, mushrooms, flake steak, and, mush and um, marshmallows. But so much of love in our life looks like that. Noticing what is needed and someone attending to those needs, no matter how random they might be. And in the process, creating something beautiful. So this is the third question in our I've been meaning to ask series. What do you need? On the heels of the question, where does it hurt? What do you need feels like the perfect follow-up. In our scripture reading, we have the heartbreaking, a heartbreaking example of seeing where it hurts and noticing what the needs are. Job's friends set out to visit him. They had heard about the unimaginable tragedies that he'd experienced. But when they actually see him, they are stunned and heartbroken. Job is visibly transformed by illness, grief, sorrow, and trauma. But his friends are not run off by the sight of him. They draw closer. And they sit with him in comforting silence for seven days and seven nights. In my time as a hospice chaplain, I remembered once hearing someone say that when you offer a person a hug and they accept it, don't be the first one to pull away. Let them hug you as long as they need to. And when I instituted this practice in my ministry, I was always humbled and stunned by how long those silent embraces can last. This is what I imagine happened with Job and his friends. They didn't intend to sit in silence for seven days and seven nights, but no one pulled away. So they'd sat there in friendship, solidarity, and comfort. But the book of Job takes a turn when instead of comforting silence and attunement to the needs of Job, they turn to advice giving, their versions of sonnets and soliloquies. While sonnets can be beautiful, they are not based in what the other person needs. They are more about what we think they need. They center ourselves and our own experiences. They give us a bit of distance from, someone's, from the reality of someone's situation. And I saw how easy it is to go from shopping list to sonnets this week, even when, wherever I ask the question, what do you need? We even do that to ourselves. I posed the question everywhere I could while I was preparing for this sermon. I saw that it is a surprisingly difficult question to answer. As I typed it out in group texts, asked it in Bible studies, explored it in conversation, more than a few answered with the joke, a million dollars would be nice. But for most, it was really difficult. When our material needs are met, when we have clothing, shelter, basic health care, food, provisions, articulating what we need spiritually, emotionally, and mentally can feel a little greedy. The answers become more philosophical, existential, and poetic. Most people gave a disclaimer or a caveat of some type. Many categorized their needs as first world problems or bracketed the answer in gratitude saying, 
I should be grateful. I, I shouldn't even need this, but... As I listen to the answers, I realize more than anything that articulating our needs involves vulnerability, intimacy, and often courage. One of the women in my Bible study said, I have such a huge fear about expressing what I need. What if I gather up the courage to tell someone what I need, and then they are unable or unwilling to meet that need? In many ways, expressing our needs is an act of faith, an acknowledgement that we are dependent on one another. And also, many of us were raised to be the giver, to attend to the needs of others, to be self-sacrificial. So many of us don't want to be the person who needs something. So we err on the other side of the continuum. And honestly, often we don't know what we need, especially in times of grief and uncertainty like we are in now, especially when we are charting a completely unknown course. One person I asked about needs said, I know I'm lonely, I know I need companionship, but when I'm offered a visit with someone, it feels too exhausting to accept it. I need it, but in the moment, I don't want it. So often, what we need is not what we want. I imagine that Job had no idea that he needed seven days and seven nights of comforting silence with his friends until he was in it. When I was working at a hospice inpatient unit, a family was holding vigil for a matriarch who was dying very slowly. They were living on hospital vending machine fare until their church family showed up with a rolling cooler full of fruit, drinks, granola bars, and other grab-and-go fare, and a home-cooked meal. One of the family members exclaimed, we didn't even know we needed this until you rolled it in. I also recently came across a list compiled by bereaved moms of 30 simple ways of showing care. They had compiled it of all the meaningful things that people did for them when they were in the shock and fog of loss. The list included walk their dogs for them, showing up um, to mow their lawn, sending a housekeeper to help with household chores, leaving Unisom and Z-Quill on their porch because their friends knew they weren't sleeping, offering to decorate for the holidays, stringing lights all up on their house, and even just sending a text on the monthly death anniversary date. It is this shopping list approach of noticing what may be missing and addressing when we can, and in the process, creating this unexpected recipe for care. More than anything, attending to needs looks like not pulling away. It involves being able to exist in these uncomfortable and uncertain spaces. But if we admit it, uncomfortable and uncertain can be the bulk of our lives. Even our everyday shopping lists are a small act of uncertainty, but hope. We write things down with the hope that the large system of commerce will have the goods when we need them at our local grocery store. I invite us to approach all of our deeper needs with this same hope and faith, expressing them ex with the hope that they will be met in some way, and also with the faith that we don't need to always know what we need, but there may be someone around them 
corner who will notice what is missing. This means asking the question, what do you need, of ourselves and others as often as we can, and being open to whatever answer comes up. This weekend, I saw a Facebook status of the writer Robert Johnson. He's the author of the gorgeous novel, The Prophets. And he offered a que questions to his followers. He called it a community check-in. And the questions were, how are you today? Have you witnessed or been witnessed? Do you have enough to eat? Have you had a moment to rest? Do you have shelter? Have you received or extended grace? Can you afford health care? Have you turned love inward? Is peace near? Are you safe? Are you healing? Let us know where your mind, body, heart, soul is currently residing. And I was stunned at the depth and care of the answers and responses from complete strangers on the internet. So many expressed, I've never been asked these questions before. And they answered them, and people responded. Similarly, just downstairs in the adult education class, I saw so many thoughtful responses to the questions as of what do we need? All of the ways that, all the new revelations about giving help and receiving help. When we offer space to articulate our needs, when we build in a language of care and vulnerability and trust, I truly believe that the spirit moves and we learn how to respond and not pull away. So I wanna offer that space for us today during worship. There are cards at the ends of your pew that say, what do you need? Take a few moments and tell us, what do you need from NDPC? What needs are you noticing in yourself and in this beautiful community? And those of us who are online, take the moment to put them in the chat. What do you need? And please know that your gifts are a gift, your needs are a gift to us. What do you need to thrive? What do you think this church needs to thrive in this time of uncertainty? Your noticing is so valuable to us. We will have a time of silence to reflect on and notice what's stirring in your spirit and write down those needs. We'd love to have them. You can place them in the baskets as you exit today. And please know that your needs are never a burden to your community. They are a signal, an opportunity. They are a possibility. So we'll take a few minutes of silence to write down your needs. And if you need a card, let, let me know or let one of the ushers know. Thank you for trusting us with your needs. Thank you for offering us your needs. I pray that in this act of faith, that we will all learn more about how to respond to the needs of others without pulling away. Amen. <laughs>